in to the Band of Trong Curious World podcast. I'm very excited about today's episode. Today's guest is Ulich from the Murmur podcast. And if you're not familiar, Murmur is a, a show where he interviews basically strangers. They're meeting for the first time and it's like, bam, they have a conversation and wherever it goes. It's always truthful, it's always empathic, it's uh, very funny, very enlightening, and you'll, you'll hear a lot about your own life through, through these conversations. Um, it's a great, great uh, podcast, I highly recommend it. And if you want to read up on it, you know, obviously just Google Murmur, he's got a little ooflautin up there. He's been uh, featured in the New York Post, the Paris Review, and very recently he was on NPR. So yeah, give it up for my man. Um, yeah, so so definitely check it out. Check out his, uh, it's M-U-R-M-U-R is the podcast. Um, he's a sweet guy with a sweeter tooth. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. So without further delay, give it up for my man, Ulich Ugin of the Murmur Podcast. You want a podcast? Great. We have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here- you're listening to Vandal Tron's Curious World Podcast. Check it out, baby. Sides fall to pieces. You just sit there wishing you could still make love. They're the ones who hate you when you think you got the world. So every time I think of you, I think of like sweets and stuff. I know that sounds like real. It's only at midnight. No. But like when I was a, when I was a kid, I had such a sweet tooth. And I'm curious, did you develop yours later, or did you always have? No, I, I definitely always had a sweet tooth. I remember I had this uncle named um, Gosh, what was his name? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> he was an uncle in Turkey, and and I remember as a young boy, every time me and my cousin went over to his house, he, this guy literally had a treasure trove filled with with candy, you know, like the Tootsie Rolls of Turkey. You know, bubble gums and and the thing actually had a key. Like he, he kept the key in his pocket so nobody could uh you know rummage through his sweets without his permission. And every time we went there he would open it up for us and we would just like dig into it like as though it was like like a pool of just the most delicious candies that you'll ever encounter in your life. And um, you know. And I've always, you know, found out that that's that's a wonderful way to make new friends. You know, when I, whenever I start a new when job, you become, when you become an old man, you can do candy. Away no, to I, kids. I, I'm an old man now. <laughs> I, I, I still do that shit. I, every time I get a new job, I always the first couple of weeks, I bring a bag of Jolly Ranchers to work every day, and I just offer it to everybody. Wow! I think how's that go over? It's always good because you know it confuses people. They look at you like, you know, who the fuck are you? You're, you're the new guy. But then. Because you're doing something so generous and, and so giving, they, they kind of remember you too. They're like, oh, okay, he's, you know, I guess he's all right. He's a little weird, but. So do, is it a handful or do you get, oh, like open the, up the whole box? I open the bag up the whole bag and I'm like, take as many as you want. Here you go, Jolly Ranchers. Take one or take a few. And, um, you know, so that's why most places I work at, they know me as the candy man. <laughs> uh, so, you know, are you pretty selfless like that? I think you are. I mean, you know, for those of you that are listening to this, uh, you know, the first thing that Vandal gave me the moment of walking in was uh, two giant, you know, Oreo cookies. I, I, I thought they were whoopee bars. I think they're actually called whoopee bars. If my maybe, memory serves me correct. Maybe, but I, 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 I mean, have you been into one yet? Should I? 
Yeah, I, should, I think... should we pause this for five seconds? Will you let me take a bite? I, I think I can bar? entertain them while you go get we it. We can if edit you this, want. right? Okay, give me or, five or seconds. Or if you want to edit it. Okay. I, I, well, I'm curious now. I, I mean, I thought I grabbed an Oreo, but um, yeah, I thought it was double stuffed Oreo. All right, here it oh, comes. Yeah, 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 okay. Oh, my God. And, and considering the fact that I had a large uh, mocha banana shake earlier today, the fact that I'm still craving sugar just um, goes to show you how unhealthy I am. <laughs> And he just brushed his oh teeth. Like, What's inside? Like sweet coma. Um, just frosting. more of the Oreo filling? Frosting. Yeah. It's just like big, big old water frosting. Oh my God. I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> Thank you for this. Oh, yeah. No, 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 like no they're, they're piece, for you. A piece, they're for, uh, if you break me off that. Okay. Right. I just wash my hands. So my hands well, just a little bit. Okay. There's nothing like eating into the microphones that. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. How's that? All right. Happy? All right. Thank you so much for this. You know, I'll be honest with you, Vandal. Um, I, I have really great difficulty um, eating food that other people offer for me. I kind of to where it's from? I kind of have a bit of a paranoia. Um, I think it kind of stemmed from the, uh, the lace brownie incident that I had a few <laughs> years ago. I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, uh, people offer me food all the time. So, uh, I remember, in fact... My last guest at the original Murmur Studio was this kid who wanted to uh, drop acid with me. And I was so paranoid that if I shook his hand, that I would also get a contact buzz from the acid that I ended up just giving a fist bump. I mean, how fucked up is that? Wow. Yeah. I need to work on that. So what I'm trying to say is the fact that I'm eating this cookie that you got for me is like a you know, pretty big testament to you know how much i trust you so that's all i Let, want to let's say let's wait 20 minutes from now <laughs> where this has don't become like this becomes a solo cast <laughs> you're on the floor don't give me a panic attack oh my gosh <laughs> forget about it. i'm sorry that was so awkward i'm I, you know i'll have to preface this by saying vandal i am so scatterbrained right now why so what's going to, on is it me no it's not you if, if anything I'm, I'm actually happy that you know you're i'm happy too and, man and, and let's and just talking. let's yeah. go sideways for okay, a second okay, okay, like right, you right, right, right. i'm I mean, despite a Pedro with a jackhammer outside, <laughs> uh, I'm feeling good, man. Yeah. Like you, you're a you're a genuine person. And you know, when I've the to- coming to New York, you always is, like you always envision like who am I going to meet, and you always equate it to the music and the movies and TV shows that you that you've seen. I know for me coming to New York, I thought it was all going to be like these loft parties, you know, like you see in the '80s of like, and you have like. People in like black turtlenecks yeah. and stuff like that, and you you hope that you meet genuine people, and so I'm just very grateful that our paths have crossed, and you're a genuine, honest, like real human. What do I need to do to glean some of your good vibes right now? Is there like a <laughs> excavation tool that you could provide me so that I could, you know, take the the good vibes of Vandal and, and instill them into uh, the the body of Ulich Ulgan? You don't need them, man. You got them. You got them. <laughs> yeah. Or we just need to hang out more often so well, that, you know, I can be closer to this uh, energy. Well, you always, I mean, you are, wouldn't you define yourself as a pretty positive person? Um, I don't know. Lately, I've been really, really odd. You know, I've been finding myself doing things that kind of go um, against my character, if you will. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's kind of confusing. I feel like my moral compass has kind of been thrown off. And I'm trying to find a way to uh, to fix it, you know. So that's why, you know, if I say something that kind of 
is not really in alignment with the context of our conversation or if it feels a little odd or whatever, you know. Um, I mean, you, you've, you've had moments like that in your life too, though, right? I mean, it's not just me. About where you felt like you like who the fuck am I like where you just forget who you are yeah you yeah. know you know and it happens all the time you know you think you have like you think you have this menu of how you want to live your life and then something happens and then you just and then it's a like a person in the mirror says like oh you're just full of shit mm-hmm. because when the going gets tough you're inside you're either like getting you're crying like a baby or you're now you're angry what happened to the the kind person? What happened to the person that you're aspiring to be? Yeah, that's full of shit, man. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that guy pokes you. Yeah. And so you when can't help. When was the last help. time you got poked? All the time. I mean, that yeah. happens regularly Every day? for me. Really? That, uh, a lot. A lot. A lot. Um, you so know, maybe that's why you're so balanced and attuned to the, you know, whatever's happening in the present moment. For me, it's like it only comes like once a year. And when it happens, I'm just like, just just the total mess. I'm like fucking in fragments. So I don't know if you checks, daily routines. I don't know if you remember this, but a while ago, gosh, at this point, maybe a year ago, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about, um, you know, taking a moment uh, out of your day and, and, you know, meditating. And we were talking about that. And you said to concentrate on an object Mm -hmm. for. A few minutes, and then just kind of wherever that goes. Did I say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we were drinking. Uh, yeah. So I've incorporated that, and that has been so um, affirming. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the people that I help with meditation, I've incorporated that. And so, people who have who have studied meditation for for so long have never even considered that, and it's really opened them up. And so somebody have said to me, like, well, let's say, like, I'm looking at this, uh, this doorknob, and I don't want to. And then so I just say, well, go look at something else. And then if you're bored with that, go look at something else. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay if it's difficult. And just let it, you know, just, let just deal with it. Because a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, like, if we're watching something, or we're listening to somebody, and they're kind of like audio torture, <laughs> we'll pull out our phone. Or, 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 you know, we love this song, but we know it's near the end, so we'll just skip to the next song on our playlist yeah, or whatever. Yeah. We've become so impatient. He was just like, oh, you know, I, I want this thing, or I don't want to deal with this right now because I know how it ends, or I think I know how it ends. So we yeah. just kind of jettison to the next thing. Everything just kind of becomes or predictable in a way, or we think that it's predictable. And we don't see through the end because we think that we assume that it's going to end a certain way. But if you actually, you know, give that thing, whatever it is, it might be a person, it might be a song, it might be a movie, whatever. If you just give it the time that it needs, you will realize that it has some surprises, it has some twists and turns. Right. And I think the times where, you know, we've been uh, a little frustrated is our brain is not seeing the ability to be surprised. We're, we're kind of we're seeing we're Patterns, going we're, it's all closed doors you know it's like oh fuck man oh fuck him fuck her fuck me uh everything sucks when was the last time you said that to somebody's face fuck you yeah uh i did it just a couple days ago that's why you know I stranger or somebody you know stranger i was on my bicycle oh. I, I passed by a guy and he, he had complete right to be upset with me because i was on my phone while biking at the same time, I had like 10 different things I need to do that day, which is by no means is a, is a ex- proper excuse. And, and he made some snide remark as I passed him. And this, you know, 
animalistic rage just like came out through me something that i've never ever experienced before and i just just started yelling fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you just in the middle of avenue b in broad daylight children are you know just leaving school and everybody's looking at me like who the fuck is this weirdo and i had i just had this weird moment where i was like what the fuck am I turning into? Like, I, I, I should go back and apologize. I, I try to turn back and find the guy. I want to say sorry to him, but, you know, um, I guess he kind of got, you know, spooked out and probably hid inside of the building. Were you were you riding away saying the fuck yous? I was riding away. So it was like a like an echo? Yeah, like, yeah. It was like a fade, yeah. a fade out? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Then I tried turning around, but then he was gone. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird like that, you know, moments of... Um, rage like that just just coming out i mean but you're human i, I mean guess. it happens well the, the thing is that this kind of stuff doesn't happen to me too often so it kind of surprises me as to you know makes me wonder if there's some thing that i need to deal with inside of me that i'm kind of uh, unknowingly avoiding or something but Anyways, you know, I mean, I might be in a morose mood, but we certainly don't need to make this a morose you know, conversation. <laughs> so you're going to have to be the beacon of light. Okay, and, and so the, yeah, let's get back. Let's sunshine. get back to the that yeah. original word. Yeah. So I brought up the oh, brought yeah, yeah. up drugs. Oh. Dr- drugs, man. I mean, every now and then, you know, I'll take an antidepressant or two just to kind of you know calm my nerves down. But as far as like um, you know psychedelics go, I mean, I'm kind of over it, man. I really am. I, I went through my phase in high school where i just you know smoked a lot of pot and did acid and ecstasy and whatnot but um i kind of feel like those days are behind me and and i'm too uptight and anxious of a person these days to be able to conduct myself properly under the influence of those uh psychedelics but ironically you know i uh maybe three months ago i started smoking pot again and Something happened like from after after I turned 18, like marijuana just started not working for me. It made me so goddamn paranoid. Every time I took a puff, I thought, you know, the SWAT team was going to be breaking <laughs> through my door and, you know, you know, handcuffing me or something. And and now I'm just like, okay, this is all right. This is actually kind of cool. In a way, I, I think I kind of give a less fuck about things. So that's why I can kind of sit back and enjoy marijuana. Whereas before, I just, I couldn't really. I couldn't be comfortable, but you know you're a very calm-natured guy. So, so getting back, so yeah. circling back to your your bike incident. Yeah. So I'm doing the sober October. I'm not, yeah, yeah not yeah. drinking or, or doing anything this month. I'm, thankfully, it's it's near. The I, end. Is it working out for you? Well, here's the thing. Like, Do you I feel I smarter. No, <laughs> I, I actually I'm, I'm a little more uptight. But here's oh, the wow. thing. I, I don't. I mean, thankfully, I don't, I'm not, like, I don't have any addiction or compulsion. Like, I'm not, like, I don't have the shakes. I'm not doing double takes when I go buy a liquor store or anything like that. You don't have any kind of vice? You're not even, yeah. like, a sex addict or anything? Um, well, I mean, I like, I like drinking. I like smoking. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, okay, so not doing it, 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 it makes you, so any kind of, like, negative thoughts you have, they kind of, they do tend to, like, circle in your brain. So it's like, okay, well, how do you? How do you take the edge off? How do you deal? How do you look? I'm not saying look. I'm not saying that you know if you have problems like you know start drinking like Jim Beam or anything, but I can see how that takes the the edge off and mm-hmm. not having whatever it is, whether it's you know drinking or, or smoking pot or whatever, not having that, you're confronted with 
that thing that is bothering you. And so sometimes that note can, can seem a little repetitive because you're, you just kind of, it's, but you know, I think by nature we're all problem solvers. So if it's something that's bothering you, it just kind of nags at you. You want to solve, you want to, you want to, okay, let's get rid of it. But without, you know, problem solvers, I'd like that. Without vodka like, or whatever it is. Reminds that me of my grandma do. sitting on her couch, you know, chain smoking cigarettes and doing her, you know, crossword puzzles. Because I guess, I don't know, we do have that innate desire to solve things, like you said. That kind of makes sense, you know. I don't know why I just remembered my grandma when you mentioned that, but, you know, it just came out. But, um, yeah, you might be right. For me, when it comes to, uh, you know, things become habit, too. You know, when you're yeah. drinking, smoking, and it's hard to break away from habits. As for me, the first five days are hell. But after the five days, if I've gone five days without, um, you know smoking drinking or whatever i'm i'm okay you know i just got to get over that five-day hump which is that's the difficult part and then i'm pretty good about you know staying sober until you know i slip again which happens to the best of us i think so you know how do you confront how do you confront uh speaking of you know uh, dealing with problems Mm mm-hmm what what are ways that you uh, deal with things that mm-hmm. are bothering you? Said rec- you I just said that yeah. you know things that are bothering you. You know, it, it's interesting because um, there aren't too many things that I can say that I'm 100% proud of myself for. But one thing that I do realize within me is my um, resilience. You know, um, I kind of had a tough couple of months with, you know, getting evicted out of my apartment, finding out my you know, girlfriends taking off her clothes and exchange of money. Um, and, uh, you know, in order to kind of, and I had so much going on and there was no way that I could just pass up on all the good stuff that was happening to me and, and succumb to the bad, succumb to the misfortunes that were uh, happening around me. So I just kind of, you know, thrusted my chest and just started running through the bullshit, all the shit that was being thrown my way. And now that I've finally crossed the finishing line, I'm kind of at this point where I'm just like so enervated, like so energyless. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, when, when things go bad, I, I have the ability to just kind of suck it up and just kind of like plow through the, uh, the obstacles but once I reach the finishing line, I just I just collapse, you know, which is kind of where I'm at right now. And that's like a natural human reaction too. I think, you know, I'm I think I'm in my process of uh, of healing right now and just kind of you know resting. So hence the reason why I'm just I feel like I'm I'm like a talking corpse right now. Yeah. So, how does it feel to be a talking corpse? I don't know. I mean, it, it feels good that you know I have a you know kind, understanding friend that I could just openly talk with without having to, you know, be self-conscious about what I have to say or how I have to conduct myself. So that's nice. But at the same time, it kind of makes me wonder, like, dude, just shut the fuck up, man. Just just be quiet for a little while. Don't talk. But this is okay for now. You know, we can, we can do this for another hour. But don't you and think then, that's ironic, considering that, I mean, you host a podcast about it? I do. I do. Yeah. Maybe maybe I just I'll have to go a month where I abstain from talking to people so that I could get my <laughs> passion and my zeal back. It's all Siri, yeah. Siri's voice. Yeah, so it's it's interesting, you know. Um, you know, it's weird because 
uh, I mentioned to you the last time that I saw you that I started working with uh, Bowery Electric, uh, interviewing bands from their uh, from their musical roster. And, uh, and a couple days ago, this guy named uh, Handsome Dick Manitoba from the Dictators came on here. He also played for MC5, which I'm sure you yeah, know, kick yeah. out the jams, motherfucker. I mean, yeah. he sang for the MC5 when the original lead singer died. So, you know, he's kind of a big deal. So here he is in my apartment. And the same guy that my punk rocker friends used to call me as, as my nickname in high school because I had a big old afro like he did back in the day. They used to call me Handsome Dick Manitoba. And... This guy that was cl- that clearly had some sort of influence on my life is in my apartment, right in front of me, talking to me. Right here. Yeah, yeah right here. Um, and I was just so fucking out of it. I, I, when I mean out of it, I'm just like just so disengaged, mm. you know, just uninterested. Could do, between you, me, and you, and whoever's listening, you, yeah. you could tell. Do Do you think that he could tell? Yeah. No, well, maybe it was kind of an odd conversation. Um, he was actually going through some tough shit himself, and I can openly talk about it because you know it's on record uh, that he, I guess, found out that his wife of seventeen years um, had been cheating on him. So I kind of could relate with the situation. Um, How jeez, that he just kind of like yeah, his son, his out. his son found the text message. Uh, the text message said something along the lines of. I am your God. You are my sex slave. And then there were some You're photos. Like, this, is, this is odd for the nanny to be telling me. Yeah. <laughs> so, which made me wonder, like, if you were a 14-year-old kid and you found that your mom was, you know, sending naked messages of herself to another person, would you, would you also go and tell dad about it? I don't know. It's kind of an odd situation, right? How, how does he have access to the phone? I mean, they live in the same house. It's yeah, but uh, I mean, if it's an iPhone, you got to type in the code. Not everybody has a code. My girlfriend doesn't have a code. What you just? It just appears. It just like, appears. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's what you get. Yeah, that's what you <laughs> get. Right. Which is ironic because I mean, if if you're doing some salacious shit like that, you would think that you would take the precaution of putting a passcode on your phone so that nobody would find out about it. But maybe it's that element of danger. Oh, maybe I'll get caught. That people kind of uh, no, but that's stupid, yeah, right? That's, I think, I think it's, it's the stupid. I think it's the other. I think it's the fact that you're you're. It's more of just you're just sloppy. Mm-hmm. You're just careless. You emotionally careless. careless, and so you're that kind of leads into other facets. Have of you your ever life. been cheated on? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, like you have a diploma in it. Like yeah, I got a yeah. PhD it, it and was, an MD. Uh, it's it was definitely life changing. Um, yeah, I think I think people need to. Everybody needs to dump somebody and get dumped in their lives. Yeah, yeah. You have to learn. That's true. But I think getting cheated on is just like, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just sober. I just think it's unfair. Oh, of course. Yes. To this, I mean, even now, I, I that it's a, it's a intolerable to me. Did you walk in on them? No. Okay. So in the, the, the Cliff Notes version, um, My girlfriend and I were going to move out to L.A. She moved out there first. And so when I, I, I wrote out the lease in New York, and then when I went out there, um, pretty early on uh, getting there, she told me that she was with this other guy. But she oh, and I should yeah, still, yeah, yeah. I we should still like occupy the apartment. 
So I was like, fuck this. I mean, I, I was in such a uh, rage. No, more of a haze. Mm-hmm. Because I, I like the like I said, okay, it's time to leave. I went to a barista in a coffee shop, and I said, "Can I, can I throw my shit into your apartment and sleep on your couch?" A barista, like I, like she just makes like coffee for me <laughs> in the mornings, <laughs> and so she was like, "Okay." Well, okay. That's how that, I was so fucked up that I was just like, well, uh, either you say yes or you say no. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> that's how i mean no yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. like you, i mean yeah i would never do that under normal normal circumstances for for various reasons um but like you said when you're in that haze it's like you do stuff that kind of goes against character because in the moment it's just it's like nothing really quite makes sense so everything just comes out right and I, then it takes a while for you to really recalibrate the things that you think it's like when your heart is broken it's like cracked ribs you think you're okay. You look okay. Mm-hmm. But inside, it's all fucked up. Yeah. yeah. So you go out and you're like dating or you're meeting people or you just even just like hanging out. Yeah. And you you, you, you just feel like, yeah, am I okay? Because you, you, you have that voice in your head, right? Because only you know. Mm-hmm. Am I? Yeah, I guess everything's cool. Everything's cool. I guess just the fact that you're trying to push yourself out of your yeah. comfort zone and still go out and do things, you know, go go on dates, see friends. That's kind of a testament to. Well, it's kind uh, of like what we were saying before. You, you you don't it, you don't want to. Nobody. It's it's not our nature to be uncomfortable. So it's like I I'm fine. I really am fine. Mm-hmm. Let me out. Let like turn me loose. Mm-hmm. And then the world is saying <laughs> you're not fine. Yeah. You don't want to listen to that voice. You just want to get drunk and get happy. That, that reminds me of the story of uh, uh, four years ago. You know, I felt like I fell insanely in love with this this coworker of mine. She was this girl named Shelly, this amazing, amazing Bulgarian folk singer, and um, who I actually just reached out for the first time in four years, just a month ago. I tried to get her on Murmur for her to, her to be the last um, guest oh, at the studio. Yeah, at the like original her? Murmur studio. No, she looks like her. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah, that's the one. That. Right. The girl uh, that's on my Sade poster. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where... I guess not unlike how you felt when you walked up to the barista and you were like, hey, you know, whatever. If you say no, if you say it, it doesn't fucking I was matter. a little more sincere than <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. You know? Just a little. And, uh, and, and, you know, she sent me a, back an email saying, wow, you know, how amazing that you would reach out to me after all these years. Uh, I'm going to have to decline. But she said, it's amazing how in life we can unknowingly influence people. And so she said, so thank you for, you know, doing your podcast and, you know, I support you in your artistic endeavors and this and that. But that, anyways, that's not the story that I want to tell. The story that I want to tell was uh, on my last day of work four years ago, I did something which even just thinking about it right now gives me the creeps. Or maybe the creeps right, in let's the right hear it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was just so corny and so cheesy. But in that haze... That was like the only thing that made sense to me, which was to give her a love note and walk out of my job. <laughs> and uh, and and I remember, uh, you know, immediately taking the subway to Bushwick, you know, just crying my fucking eyes out on the train because I was just a fucking wreck. And then I went to this bar and I made another copy of this, you know, poem or whatever that I wrote for. It. And it's fucking disgusting. Like, you know, just ah, so bad. Anyways, uh, and I was just reading it and I couldn't gauge whether it was proper for me to have done something like that to give her that note 
so I saw this group full of hipsters, and I just walked up to them. I was like, I'm really sorry to bother you guys, but I'm really not feeling too well. Uh, can I just tell you my situation? <laughs> they all looked at me like, uh, okay. So immediately I knew. And then this years is- later, you passed him on the, your bike, and he's like, <laughs> fuck you, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and immediately, like, I knew this wasn't going to be the crowd that was going to be receptive to my heartache. But mm. regardless, I, I just told them, I, I gave this girl this note. Can you please read it and tell me if I did the right thing or the wrong thing? <laughs> and so the girl just, like, took it out of my hand very slowly. She read it, and she put her hand over her mouth and just started laughing. She didn't know what to say to me. And then the guy sitting next to her looked at it and then kind of perused through the letter. And he, he he got up and he said, buddy, we need to talk. And he pulled me aside and he said, you're not feeling well. He said, no, he said, you're not well. Like, no, you got to understand, no proper person in, in, a, in a sane state of mind would give a person a letter like this. Was it like Jeffrey Dahmer? Like that or something? <laughs> and, and in that moment, it was almost like getting slapped by the hand of God. You know, like suddenly I just like sobered up. I was just like, whoa, you know, okay. All right. So I got some work that I need to do. Anyways, for some reason, your story with the barista reminded me of that. Moment <laughs> where you're just like, you know, um, you, you know, you're in the haze. It's like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're just throwing things out there and just seeing what sticks. I don't know if that's a good analogy. Speaking, okay, so speaking of, uh, of of embarrassment, I wish this was my own story, but it's not. So my friend went on. She went on a date with this guy, and I guess everything went well. On the second date, he made her a she. He like burned her a CD oh. of like songs. Yeah. This isn't like two like like t- five years ago. This is like last week. so she says i'm sorry i have an air book i i don't have any means to i can't play this yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i was like that's it (laughs) it's actually kind of romantic i mean all right so he i said he should have he should have swung it around saying like well you should come over to my place and i'll play it yeah 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 yeah, right but he was just like he was just like and just shot down why a cd was he trying to be original or does he still think that people listen to cds yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. See, that in itself was kind of odd. I mean, it could be cute. I mean, depending on how the girl takes it, you know. If I were him, I would have not only given the CD, but I would have also picked up like a $2 CD player from some, you know, pawn shop or whatever. Because that's a little bit more, you know. But what can I was thinking about that, though. Like, I mean, I, I would I was the, I was that that guy. I would make like. Bert, like make CDs yeah. for people, like girls. But what what is the equivalent? Like, what can you do to give somebody a give, give a girl a flash drive? You, or you could just uh, you know URL them a, your Spotify playlist, <laughs> you know, and put a nice little bow tie around it. I guess uh, send a gif, you know, yeah. gifs. You do the gif thing. I'm getting into it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I am, but like that seems like such a different region know, to to like giving visceral. giving her like. It. A CD that you made with yeah. like artwork that you created. Yeah, I think I'm not. sure. I mean, sure, it's it's nice, but it just it doesn't happen anymore. I don't I don't know what to say about that. I mean, you got me uh, Oreo cookies. I mean, that made me happy. Hey. So you know, so thank you for that. You know, keep on doing what you're doing. I mean, I guess the best you can do is uh, if, if if the gift feels like something that's right to you. 
that you're giving it to this person out of the the goodness of your heart it, you know that that so would you so what would you say to that guy what it obviously I, didn't go well well say say to the guy that told me that I was fucking insane no no sorry no the guy who burned the CD oh who girl. burned the CD and it didn't go well she was like she said, "I what the fuck?" Well, I mean, look, you made a good point. You said that he could have turned it around and been like, "Hey, then come over to my house. You know, we'll, we'll pop right. it on the CD player there and then listen to it." Uh, you know that that's so much of what makes relationships interesting. You know that tug and pull. You need to have a little bit of a friction, you know. And when something bad happens, you have to take it as an opportunity to uh, to turn it around and make something good out of it. So. I'm trying to think of a you know good example that I could tell you. You know, nothing really comes to mind at the moment, though. I'll let you know if I think about it. You uh, do you do you still love New York? Yeah, I, I do love New York. I mean, I've, I'll always have this place as as my anchor. I don't think I'm going to move anytime soon. I do for sure, though. You know, once I start making a million bucks after this murmur thing explodes. Uh, you're going to move into the Dakota. Well, I, I'm I'm for sure going to buy the house that uh, that I grew up in in Turkey, in in the apartment complex that uh, that I was raised in. Um, like every time that I go back to that place, it's almost like stepping into the Garden of Eden. I suddenly feel transported to, you know, to being a kid again, which is amazing. I actually you, tried. You, I, I tried going back there a couple of years ago, and the, and the and the lady that's currently staying there won't let me in, which was kind of you know, kind of fucking pissed me off. Why wouldn't she let you in? Um, she was just being a bitch. She was just she, like, yeah, yeah, you know. And she knew me. You know, I, I knocked. I left a note underneath the door. I didn't hear back, and I went back the next day, which was the day before I was to you know go, come back to America. Mind you, I haven't been in this house in like fifteen years, and so. I rang the buzzer. She opened the door. She's like, what do you want? And I said, hey, I'm really sorry to bother. But, you know, I grew up here. You know, my parents, Sartaj Kip and Orhan Ugin. Um, and I said, is there any way that, you know, I could just come in for a couple of minutes, just take a photo or two or come back at a better time? And I'll never forget her response because she looked at me dead in the eyes and she asked me, she said, do you remember what this house used to look like? And I thought about it. I was like, yeah, I do. I do kind of remember it. But i like to see it again. And then she goes, well, if you remember it, then trust me, it hasn't changed much. Goodbye. <laughs> Zing! Close the, yeah. the fucking door shut in front of me. And I was just like, Turkish hospitality, my fucking ass. Fuck you, bitch. Fuck you. I mean, here I am, the guy who invites strangers into his house for conversations. And this lady won't let this boy... Into the house that was this, you know, childhood home. But she knew you or knew, knew of me. you. She right? knew of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, so you think it's personal? Oh, she. I think I. I talked to some other people's and people in the building, and they said that she has some mental problems. So I think it's just like, you know, an old, like, an old stubborn lady. Um, yeah, I was just at the post office half an hour ago, and and there was a lady just, uh, you know, yelling profanities at everybody, which was so sad because you know. I was trying to compliment on on her beautiful eyes, and she just kind of went on a tirade against me. And um, wait, this just happened like half an hour ago. Yeah, you went up to an elderly woman and complimented her eyes. She she was she was clearly in a really really bad mood, turning around and like anybody that was looking at her, she was saying something bad to. Like there was this you know really nice gentleman guy that she turned around to and made a comment about how he looked like a crackhead. Did so he? no, he didn't. 
He was he and he took it so nice. He was so polite about it. She was she was like looking for she was looking fight. for a fight. And then she turned to me and looked at me with these like super fierce eyes. I, I said, "My lady, you, you you look like an asshole." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, "My lady, you have such beautiful eyes. How could such hatred come out through a beautiful person like you?" And you know, I don't know. I guess like like when people go, you know, get old, sometimes they go a little cuckoo. So yeah. I hope I hope you, I hope you don't end up like. I'm saying that. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, like, just lose it. Yeah. So I should have probably videotaped it to you know remind myself of what I don't want to be like when I grow up. Did she did she like slingshot and like direct her anger to somebody else? She or? did, yeah, yeah, constantly. It was like one after the other. It was like you could, you know, you could hear a pin drop in that post office. Yeah, that's aggressive. Yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate. She's got a lot of anger in her, but. Yeah. I think to some, we're only a few. All of us are only a few degrees away from that. Yeah, have you like, ever, like you? Like you're on the you're on your bicycle. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. told and this I, guy to this, this fuck, suck fuck, your fuck, dick fuck. or go to hell or yeah. whatever, right? I, I mean, out of context, he's probably wouldn't he? Comp- what if he was at the post office right after you, and he was like, "What a fucking day I've been having." Yeah, he's gonna lump you with her. I suppose. I suppose. So we're not. We're we're only like I said. We're only a few uh, degrees away from from that. And that that is something that's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. You know, what if what if we have that that bad day? You know, that accumulation. You have know, you what, have you ever done something that made the other person in the room scared of you know of you? Like do they think that wow, like I I don't feel comfortable being in the room with this guy right now? Uh I don't think so. Good. Uh, thankfully, that's I've, been, an I've, I've been. I've always avoided the <laughs> the creep or anything like that. I've always avoided that. So that's yeah. It's always it's always gotcha, good. Gotcha. Um, I must have done something at least one time where I just like completely freaked somebody out. Not just like a momentary kind of burst of anger or something. Um, but I, I, can't, I mean, it must have happened so long ago that I can't recall it right now. So that's kind of a good sign. Or maybe right. I deliberately erase it from memory. Do you find that uh, your um, you your the what is it, the things that you, you find interesting and in the way you speak and 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 the things that you're into? Um, do you find that it is sometimes difficult to relate to like guy guys? Guy guys like like macho dudes who like macho guys. Yeah, I was gonna say like alpha guys. Alpha guys? No. If anything, I I really like alpha guys because uh, you know, it enables me to express a side of me that I wouldn't be able to express maybe around my, you know, more sensitive guy friends. <laughs> emo guy friends. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. You know. Sometimes I like being a meathead, you know. I like getting hammered and talking about bitches and hoes, you know. <laughs> I mean every guy has that in him. So any opportunity I can get where I can talk about bitches and hoes. All right, I know we're we're, we're doing. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's why I'm so upset right now. Maybe I need more, you know, alpha guys, alpha need, guy friends. Need in my to, life. Yeah, some drinks. But it has to be a special brand of alpha guy friends. Alpha guy friends that don't want to talk about football because I don't like football. Yeah, the, well, that's what I meant. Well, that's a thing too. Like that's yeah. like a, a default, right? Like a lot of like you don't know a guy. Like a guy's like. Is that how it works? Because, I mean, you like football, right? You're in football. Yeah, so, like, that's the thing. Like, I... So, in the times that I've been, like, a waiter or a bartender, uh-huh. some guy will say, like, I'm from Atlanta. And, like, so we'll just kind of, like, a default and we'll talk about, like, the sports. and sports, that, You yeah. know, but at, 
And so we all know that it's it's a compromise, but they're into it. Yeah. And I'm like, look, I'll probably never see you again, so who cares? I never knew that. That's how but yeah, works, that huh? but what I've always wondered, and I have guy friends that are not into sports, and I find that for them it it can be challenging meeting like new people in professional environments that that are not I'm talking to like you know, like blue collar guy, like mm-hmm. blue collar or corporate guys. I don't mean like artists or anything. They they all talk about sports. Oh yeah, I think so. Don't they? Or correct me if I'm wrong. Depends. Depends. Yeah. I guess everybody's different, you know. Yeah. I've, so I'm really into sports, but I don't. I, I find that like it's a crutch. We we just yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, so it's like talking about the weather or it, it feels like the the easy way out almost. It's, it's like easy. when you go to a party and somebody like approaches you and like, where do you live? What do you do? Yeah, I'm just like I start making shit up. Yeah, like, really? I work, yeah, I work for NASA. No shit, you uh, do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I just get so bored of that. Really? I try so I'll I'll talk about anything. You know what I'll do? I say like, hey, what do you, what are you into? Like, what what? How was your week? What do you what do you what do you got going on? So okay, how do you distinctualize between that question and somebody asking you what you what you do? I mean, they, they I guess in my head they both kind of fall into this similar category. What do you got going on? What do you What's, got going on? What do you do? You know, but for you, when th- some- so it's more open ended. They can answer that any way they want. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not because like what do you do and where you live? I feel like I'm you're you're putting you're trying to put me in a box mm-hmm. just so you can have this conversation. Okay, but when you ask somebody how's your weekend, okay, I, I guess I kind of see what you mean. Right. Well, what I actually do sometimes is like so like like what 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 are some new things you got going on or what fascinates you? And a lot of times people like roll their eyes like, who's this dipshit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of so, funny how that works out. The, the more you're interested and, and curious about finding out about another person, the more weirded out they get. Yeah. Because they're like, like, what's the catch here? Like, what's the deal? Well, I think because we're so um, conditioned for to to be insincere. And so when somebody approaches you like that, it's like the panhandler on the subway. It's yeah, like, yeah. Dude, just go away from me. Yeah, yeah. And so then we kind of revert back to these kind of silly kind of baseline mm-hmm. questions of, you know, what part of Brooklyn do you live in or yeah. whatever. It's kind of funny when you take into consideration how awkward everybody feels at a party. When you see when you're growing up watching movies like American Pie, <laughs> you see the, those, uh, you know, college guys just like guzzling yeah. Bud Light and like, yeah, you know. And then you think that that's going to be every party you're going to attend, you know, for the rest of your life when you turn 21. And it's totally not the case. It's everybody in one corner. Yeah. And you're not occupying the whole space. You're like, what the fuck's going on? So (laughs) do you come here often? (laughs) You know, those kind of uh, cliche questions, you know, go around. So I remember I had to do a a catering party for um, these like Duke alumni in uh, uh, like Central Park South. So... And they had. I'm just gonna smoke, get a puff. By the way. Oh no! Yeah. Keep talking. And so, you know, everybody went to Duke University, and it's like, so you had half people who they didn't want anything to do with me, which is fine. I'm just, you know, I'm there working, and other half people are like, "Do you have a lighter?" No. Go on. And so, (laughs) and so the other half were like trying to talk to me about about Duke shit. I'm like, look at me. I'm fucking working here. Do you think I went to Duke or give a shit about Duke? You could pretend. You could pretend. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I ultimately did. I think anytime you're in a 
a, a service job environment, you just kind of nod your head and go, yeah, yeah, right on, man. That's, yeah, what you said. <laughs> Keep in mind, can you just tell them what I'm doing right now and why I'm not responding? Yeah, no, no, he's, uh, he's uh, vigorously masturbating. So I'm, <laughs> I have to hold down the fort and I'm putting over a, cur- a little uh, little curtain lampshade here. Oh, my God. I wish we this was a smellorama episode. You know, you would uh, this would be a quite quite the uh, festive one. Um, it looks like my friend that you just rolled me the worst joint because this thing does not want to go. Are you? Oh, I was gonna say like you. This thing's broken. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just want to say that was hands down the worst decision of my life. So, what's the story of the uh, broken guitar? Um, Jesus. Oh, no wonder. Oh no, this is the cookie. I thought this was the the weed for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I think I well, there's one way to find out. <laughs> The story behind the broken guitar is that um, I, I picked that up on my journey hitchhiking from village to village in Turkey. And uh, it was being sold by a street panhandler for um, for five, five liras, which is probably for about $1.50 in you know, American money. I just liked it a lot because it looks like uh, like something Robert Johnson would play on. Yeah. So, you know, it's got that kind of. Was it did, was it in that shape when you found it? No, I broke it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it fell a couple of times. But You're doing like a Pete Townsend. Pete. Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, not, not. I'm not that rigorous. It's funny, you know. Uh, whenever I pick up a guitar, I can never play as aggressively as uh, as some of my favorite rock and rollers. I'm I'm always like a really quiet, like a finger picker type of guy. Like it's never in my oh. nature to just go like thrusting. So- Who's your? Do you have a favorite? I know, like speaking of music, who who's the, like one of, or, or at least some of your favorite artists? Oh, okay. So we'll keep this really short because this is probably the part of the conversation where people will tune out if we talk about this for more than three minutes. I don't know. I just think that. Well, you, I, I kind of have a little bit of esoteric taste when it comes to music, and I don't want to. Oh, like, you say oh, okay? I yeah, I don't want to like scare people, but uh, it was probably a guy named Bert Jansch that made me want to uh, pick up the guitar, and. You know, Neil Young actually called him the Jimi Hendrix of acoustic guitar at some point. So he's not like some complete unknown dude. But, you know, when you listen to his recordings, I mean, his uh, finger picking rhythms are so intricate that it sounds like as though there are three guitars being played, but it's just just one guitar, you know. So I thought that was always, always really, really cool, you know, to to give the illusion to the listeners that it's like. You know, multiple instruments. When really in truth, just one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a magic trick. So you you've seen a ton of shows, right, in New York? Yeah, or... yeah. I actually just went to a concert last night. Um, uh, I, Queens of the Stone Age were playing at Madison Square Garden. Oh, oh, I stood outside for about a good twenty five minutes trying to uh, score a cheap ticket, and um, you know, got two tickets for for thirty five bucks, which I thought was kind of a good deal, considering the tickets were you know seventy five dollars each. So. I make deals with people on the street. That's my thing. I never pay face value for tickets. How do you know you're, if you're getting actual tickets? Because they give you the physical ticket. 
If it's like those, uh, so what, what's their ticket? story? They've they they bought the ticket. They've gone all the way to the venue, and they just said, "Oh fuck it, I well, changed my mind." Here's how it works, man. People people buy concert tickets like nine months ahead of time, thinking, "Oh, once the day comes, you know, me and my girlfriend will see it, see the show." And then a week before the concert, excuse me, they'll break up, and they have like a spare ticket, and they don't know <laughs> what to do with it. I mean, I so you're you're going on social media, to looking at all the posts that like people no, no, broke I, up. I, no, I you're just, like, oh, all right, let me get some up, tickets. I just show up in person and I just start yelling, "Who has an extra ticket? Who has an extra ticket?" And people will come up to me, and you know, I got to see uh, David Gilmore for free because some kid was just like, "Yeah, my friend couldn't make it, so here you go, have fun." It was a wow. hundred dollar ticket. Wow. Yeah. So you get lucky like that, you know. Um. And plus, I think it's just like completely unfair that you know in this day and age it costs a hundred dollars to see your favorite band. Yeah. Like it shouldn't cost that much, you know. That's ridiculous. Well, that's a thing that I, I, I've I've been uh, I've been really confused about. So the music industry is taking a nosedive, and mm-hmm. and all these artists on the uh, uh, nobody's pushing units or anything like that. But people are still going to see live music, and so you've got people like. Roger Waters and Paul McCartney, mm-hmm. who I, you know, we both went and saw. And yeah. They're like pushing eighty. So, like, what's gonna look? What's the 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 touring scene gonna look like thirty years from now? Are we gonna have like Blink one eighty two like reunion and like? Yeah. But they can't do, they can't do City Field or they can't do. Oh, they were gonna do City Field. They were gonna do City Field with uh, Lincoln Park before the guy killed himself. Well, okay, so that's my next thing. They're gonna have to like bunch them up. You know, they'll probably have to do like Avril Lavigne and like four other acts. <laughs> And like, like do a music festival for like the year two thousand and two, whatever was on the radio, yeah. yeah, right. So that's the thing that I think about a lot. And um, you know these these arenas, I'm sure they're forecasting and they're gonna know. They, I mean, they can't like ACDC can't tour forever. Well, that, that's a good point because uh, you know during those times, everybody listened to the same music. You know, collectively, society was attuned. To the same type of music in the 60s and 70s. Everybody listened to Pink Floyd. Everybody listened to Led Zeppelin. Whereas today, unfortunately, there is not a unifying sound in, in modern music. Everybody has like their own little niche, you know? Like you go on the street, you ask some guy, what, what are you into? He'll tell you, you know, I'm into Bulgarian folk music. The next guy will say he's in the jazz. The next person will say he likes death metal. And it's not like, unfortunately, there isn't like a band or bands nowadays that like bring everybody together in my opinion um you know maybe i'm a little biased because i love radiohead so much but i think that radio is actually one of those bands that do bring people from different uh musical backgrounds together you know because their music i find it to be very you know eclectic and um diverse but you might disagree with that no i love i mean i love radiohead Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean they're they're at this point they're kind of like the the older type of band i'm not yeah. talking about like radiohead or metallica yeah you're thinking they're saying like more like like 2000s and 2010s yeah yeah i get it yeah like what's exactly so yeah, it's hard maybe it's gonna disappear maybe arenas won't be in existence in 20 years time because you know bands will only be big enough to play theaters i don't know that's that's a stupid you know thought but i don't know but do you have a a, fa- a concert that st- stands out for you that uh, you're like holy shit I, oh so many so many I mean, I guess like right off the top of my head, I mean, I'm seeing that Metallica con- uh, poster from Webster Hall. Uh, that was yeah. When was this? That was exactly a year ago, uh, last year September. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. it was like a twenty dollar concert ticket. Yeah. I ended up just without knowing, 
uh, end up talking to the assistant of Metallica's manager. And he just pulled out a ticket right out of his jacket. And he said, here you go, kid. Have a good time. Don't tell anybody I gave you this. Wow. How so close were you? I was like fucking front row. It's, it's Webster Hall. It's like a 900 capacity club, yeah. you know? So it's very cool. You know, to go from seeing them in a you know football stadium in Turkey yeah. to, you know, some shitty nightclub. So what what's the difference? The difference? Uh from from going to like a stadium. I to... don't know. You know, it's it, I'm I'm kind of one of those weird guys. I I in a way I actually kind of like going to stadium concerts because you know, more so than the the music or the band that I'm seeing, I I'm more curious about the energy in the air, you know. I remember uh especially like for uh, for David Gilmour as I just mentioned who I saw about a year ago. I mean, the concert itself was phenomenal. It was just superb. But it was there was something in the air in the crowd that night. Where do you that play? Was just like Madison Square Garden. Yeah. That was just it, it was like magical, you know. Um and you know, it's just cool. I'm into that energy. You know, just a big mass of people coming together being unified because they all have this one thing that they all like you so much. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. You know, I mean, even if it's for a fucking Bon Jovi concert, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's really, it's, it's, it's powerful, you know, it's profound. I don't, do you, do you agree with that or do you disagree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you articulated better than that was, was rolling around in, in my brain, but yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's why we go to see live shows. Yeah. It's, I mean, we could listen to the music by ourselves, and we certainly nobody certainly likes you know the the mass exodus gridlock of leaving a concert venue. No, but I think we all put up with it for for those reasons because you want to experience something. Sure, or you get suckered into thinking it's going to be an experience, and then you show up to the actual music festival, and you're like, "This fucking sucks. It's fucking hot. I'm hungry. I want to go home." Or you know, I'm kind of over festivals. You know, I've yeah. done my share. The last festival I went to was the one that Radiohead did for. Uh, um, oh yeah, all uh, all points west. It was here, but it was like years and years ago. I, I, like, it, it was, was like them, an island, the right? Uh, gov- uh, it was on an island, right? Well, it's that that space that's like between Manhattan and Queens. Uh, Randalls, Randalls. I think I think, I think it was called All Points West Festival. Okay, maybe maybe we like had to get we had to get on a boat to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it during the In Rainbows kind of time era? Do you remember? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. I and I remember too. like the lines to go to like the the porta potties were like, oh, just I just said, I'm just going to piss myself. I yeah, don't, I don't yeah, give a fuck. yeah. And like the Roots were on another stage. And um, yeah, I would, I, me too. I was like, okay, this was awesome. This is, this is, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. They were awesome. Good. We had a good time. Is there anything that you regret At the, for, for, from that year, 2008? <laughs> um, not, I can't think of anything that I regret in particular. That's good. Um, yeah. You have a favorite album from uh, Radiohead? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like all of their their, their stuff. But um, I remember in second grade, I saw the music video for, for, okay, uh, for Paranoid Android. Uh, when I was in Turkey, and um, this was like right around the time period when my parents had just gotten a divorce. And I remember being so obsessed, not so much by the song, but by the music video, because it's like kind of animated. And mm-hmm. have you see, ever seen it? The yeah. music video for yeah. Android? And then I remember uh, 
about a month and a half later when I first visited my dad in, in his new apartment after he, you know, him and my mom got a divorce. The moment that I walked in, he had OK Computer cranking out. Your dad? Speakers. Yeah, yeah. And then when Panorama Android came out, I remember thinking like, oh, this is the song. This is the, you know, song that has that music video that I really, really like. And then funnily enough, five years later, I saw the same music video again. I'm like, oh, so this was the band. I was like 13 at the time. So I bought the CD and just like end up being completely obsessed with them ever since. So yeah, definitely okay computer because I used to listen to that album a lot with my dad. Yeah. My, um, I don't know if I told you the story. My, you know that uh, that hotel on the side of uh, Bryant Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my friend was working there, and um, they were staying there when they were playing the when they were playing Madison Square Garden. Oh wow! And he was just like gushing. He was like, "Oh my god, I want to talk to them. I want to talk to them." So they all came down. He was finishing his shift, and they were like, "What the hell? Are you, what are you guys doing?" He's like, "Oh, we're just we're just gonna go." We're gonna play. We're just we're gonna we're gonna they were gonna walk to MSG. Yeah. And they were like, what? Yeah. Are you just gonna walk there? Yeah. They're like, yeah. I mean, like you know, our, our shit's over there. It's like, wow. I mean, that's can I walk with you? And they're like, yeah. He walked with like he walked with them. Oh. And he was like, oh, let we, you don't want to go down fifth. Let's go down, you know, six or seven. When, when was this? This was uh, gosh, I guess around. 2003 or something maybe maybe oh, that's then. crazy and then and they're like so we when they're gonna part ways and he was like this is an awesome store and they're like well what are you doing you, you want to see the show <laughs> he's like yes so yeah he got he hung out with them what the fuck man and i'm just like that i, I think about like whenever i'm in that brian park area i'm just thinking like who, what band just decides to walk to yeah, the to yeah, Madison yeah. square garden <laughs> props to them man I have the craziest Radiohead story that uh, I, I got to meet them about a year ago. Uh, I don't know how it happened, but I was riding my bicycle on Bowery. And I always know at the Bowery Hotel, you know, they have everybody you can imagine staying there. And this was like two days before their concert. So I thought, you know what, let me just like pass by to see maybe they're staying there. And then surely enough, right outside at, at Gemma, the, the restaurant of Bowery Hotel, I see fucking Ed O'Brien, you know, the, the mm -hmm. guitar player. He's like my favorite member of Radiohead. I love him to death because he's like the guy who's like incorporating the uh, those ethereal kind of soundscapes, you know, that are like really atmospheric. He's like the guy that's adding the, you know, the, the sonic flourishes to the songs. Not so much the melody, but the atmosphere crater. And, uh, and there he is just like, you know, having lunch or dinner or whatever. And I stood around and... He came up and we talked. He was so nice. And um, a couple days later, after they played their Madison Square Garden show, you know, a friend of mine messages me and says, look, the band is having their after party at Acme. You know, if you want to come in like, you know. Wait, Acme Bar? Acme Bar, yeah, in Soho. He wow. said, you know, if you want to come. Oh, I was thinking the other, the Acme near St. Mark's. Yeah. Oh, is there another one over there? I thought, yeah. Maybe. There... Okay, it doesn't matter. The one, the one, yeah, the one that I know is in Soho, but. You know, me being like the, you know, the crazy fanboy Radiohead fan that I am, I ran back home. I grabbed my, you know, uh, Hail to the Thief poster from two, 2003. The first concert I've ever been to, by the way, my mother drove me three states <laughs> to take me to the show and like completely changed my life. Was she into them or she's she, oh, yeah, I've seen radio with my mom like five times. She, lo she loves them, too. So it's a family affair. Yeah, your mom's a 
kind of a music head, huh? Uh, I would say she's a cool she's a cool woman. Let's let's just put it that way. She's not like you know a music aficionado, but you know she's into the things that I like. So, anyways, you know it's like two o'clock in the morning. Here I am, you know, standing right next to Michael Stipe and and Edward Norton. You know, right outside, oh. they're smoking cigarettes, talking about architecture, and I'm just thinking, like, gee, I sure wish I knew something about architecture. So I could <laughs> jump Buildings. In on this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and then. Their manager comes out and, you know, I'm obviously the only fan there, right? Because everybody else is like their celebrity friends. And he's like, look, kid, it's two o'clock in the morning. Um, the band wants to be left alone. But Tom's going to come out. Tom York's going to come out in a second. He's going to sign your poster for you. But after that, you have to go, right? So I'm like, yes, sir. You know, totally, no problem. So two minutes later, you know, lo and behold, Tom York comes walking out with his um, new bombshell Italian girlfriend. I was going to say. I'm, and, uh, and I'm just, you know, this is the guy whose music that I, that saved me on so many occasions. And he's right there. Like, how you're close to me right now. And like a fucking loser, I just, you know, I just, I couldn't talk. I just I rolled out my post. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you're like, big fan, big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like. I just I just rolled out my poster and I tried to give him my sharpie and he he did one of those things. he did this thing I'll I'll never ever forget he looked down and up he kind of like checked me out he's like uh no and he just started walking away I'm like wow but at the same time you know I knew doing this that he's kind of a moody guy you know it's a 50 50 chance whether i'll get an autograph or not even the bodyguard turned around to me i was like sorry kid like you know i wish i could do something about it but that's just the way he is so there are these two like girls yelling behind me. they're like well if you're such a big fan why don't you go run after him like make him sign it for you i'm like you know i can't do that like i respect this guy <laughs> like, why you tackle him? yeah exactly <laughs> I, I can't do that well so, who were they they were just passing by no they were girls at the party like oh. models you know probably you know, there to whatever uh, so I start walking back home. You know, I'm like super despondent. I have my poster underneath my arm. I'm just like, you know, yeah, really I, gloomy. Like, I get the wow, Charlie Brown theme playing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and I reach 2nd Avenue. I'll never forget 2nd Avenue, Avenue in the corner of 6th Street. And boom, we run into each other again. I think they were just taking a long route to go to the hotel as to avoid the paparazzi. Oh. So it's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's me, Tom York, his girlfriend, and his bodyguard. Just the four of us. I'm just like, again, I fucking roll off. <laughs> Remember me? I'm like, Mr. York, please. <laughs> and he's like, oh, all right. So Tom York comes walking up to me, grabs the Sharpie out of my hand. And he's about to put his autograph. And he goes, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. And he hands the Sharpie back to you. And I'm just like, what the fuck? And I turn around. There's a horde of fucking paparazzi running towards us. He saw them. And the moment he saw them, he just completely went into his, I'm not giving any autographs to anybody mode. And um, and I kind of understood in that moment why he didn't, he didn't sign my poster. Because, uh, you know, I got to witness the names, the things that these paparazzi people were calling him as to accost him for an autograph. You know, they were telling him like, oh, we've been waiting outside your hotel all day. Um, 
you know, why don't you take the time to, you know, sign our posters? You don't care about your fans. You always do this. You know, you're an asshole. I'm just like, this is like one of the most respected musicians of, of, you know, modern day. And he can't walk on the street with his girlfriend without being, you know, being called names. And I was just like, yeah, you know, I kind of, I kind of understand why he didn't give me the autograph. So, so it was kind of like a bittersweet moment. You know, it was interesting that I had this, you know, moment that I will always remember getting snubbed by Tom York. Is but he tall? He's a short guy. No, no, right? he's, he's shorter. Yeah. He's shorter. But at the same time, it was also sad to, you know, witness him getting hassled around like that because, you know. You still have the poster? I still, yeah. I, I got it signed by two guys, Ed O'Brien and, and, uh, and Colin Greenwood. But <laughs> You're I like, fuck you, man. I'll get, yeah, the, yeah, get yeah. some other guys to sign it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that's my super long Radio and Encounter story. I'm glad you were able to edit this one out. <laughs> I'm glad you were able to find uh, some solace from that because I, I, I mean, I was getting a little bitter just hearing that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that sucks. I know. Well, what can you do? You know, I've also had some really cool encounters with other people that I've really admired. So I can't, I can't complain. Um, you know, when I came to America, you know, I, I barely could speak English. You know, so and I didn't have any friends. So the one thing that I turned to, you know, to make me feel like I belonged somewhere or to make me feel like I had friends was, you know, television and music, you know, like the music videos that I watch or the, you know, watching the, the TV characters that I so admired on, on the TV made me feel like I was part of something. So in, in a way, you know, it's always like really humbling for me when I see the people that, um, that essentially, you know, saved me as far as I'm concerned, you know, so I'm super, super grateful for that. You know, I don't know, maybe people call it like celebrity obsession or whatever. But for me, it's just, it, it goes like way more than that. You know, um, have you ever encountered somebody that you really, really admired that may have, you know, saved you as well? Not to that to that degree. Um, uh, um, I think uh, I think I've shared my Hugh Grant story. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, he yeah, really yeah. didn't save me. Yeah. Um, but he didn't save you. No, <laughs> he fucking snubbed you. Yeah. So for uh, I, I think I, I shared this once before on on my show, but um, I was um, was doing a catering job and I was smoking weed uh, as I usually did, and Hugh Grant was at the party and he just automatically assumed that he could get a hit, which I was like, oh, that's fine, and he said, "This weed is shit." <laughs> And I was like, well, fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> the the guy that I was working with, I don't even think he even knew him. He just saw him as like some British dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, man, that dude can go fuck himself. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wait till I tell you who he is. Yeah. That's so funny, man. Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> um, I did something crazy. Um, uh, actually, I, I don't want to talk about it. Fucking, <laughs> you know, I, I, feel, I feel like, uh, you know, my life as of late has been filled with so many questionable decisions that it's probably just best for me to just refrain from talking for a while. Would you like drink Clorox or something? No, 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 no. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to fucking get into it. I'm already talking so much shit right now. I feel like, I feel like you feel like you're in a period of transition. Is that, is that kind of, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I feel is, that, like I, is that exciting for you or is that more like, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, let's get it fucking over with. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how I feel like. Right. Well, exactly. Yeah. It, that's kind of like what we were talking about yeah. before of like, I guess the one thing that I'm really happy about right now is that I'm not paying rent. <laughs> That's like the one thing that makes me happy in life that, you know, 
I can I can finally tell people that I have a rent stabilized apartment in New York City. <laughs> you know, I'm only paying two hundred dollars a month for you know that closet. <laughs> yeah, the 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 hookup ta- the hookup the, yeah, uh, yeah. hotel right there. It's kind of cute. Yeah. So you know, really, there's there's no there's like uh, the the they don't they don't bat an eye. They're like, okay, let's dive in. Well, oh well, it's it's only happened once yeah. so far, uh, or I don't know. Yeah, maybe more than once too. But I, whatever. Um. It's all right, you know. It's all right. It it does the trick. Like I said, I mean, it's uh, it, it, this goes beyond sex too. I feel like anytime you're in a place where you're limited, where you have limitations, I think it enables you to do things that might be a little outside of the box. So, I'm kind of all 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 for limitations <laughs> if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like um, you know, what what do you think is your biggest shortcoming in life right now? Um, just being happy, you know. Believe it or not, being happy. Yeah. Um, which is a good, you know, segue for me. I know you ask like you have those like set questions you ask at the end. So my question, um, that I ask, and I'll answer the question, but I, I want to pose it to you as well. Is you know what is happiness to you right now? Hmm. Um, and it's so. I think any anytime you're a, uh, you consider yourself thoughtful or introspective, you're going to wrestle with a lot of things. Unless you're, you know, a dog and you don't care, you can just chase tennis balls. You're going to reflect on things. You're going to you're going to there's there's a part of you that that kind of looks backwards and looks forwards, and you know it's and you know if you listen to the music that we listen to, you're going to be melancholy. And you're going to think about things that maybe you shouldn't have. You shouldn't. Like killing yourself? Killing yourself. Or the concept of like ending it or jumping off a bridge or just spending your whole, the rest of your life. You want to do it together? Like after this conversation is done with, you want to just go walk over to uh, Manhattan Bridge and jump together? Manhattan? I don't know. That's really (laughs) dreary. We're going to need some Tom Waits for that one. (laughs) Manhattan. Nobody's going to find us if we'd go over Manhattan. Yeah. Um. It but for be, me, it could be a New York Post headline: two two famous podcasters going <laughs> suicide together. <laughs> it could be like the beginning of our careers, you know, I'm <laughs> our legacy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people will listen to this conversation and say it was the best <laughs> podcast episode ever. <laughs> um, but for me, it's like trying to keep that ball afloat, and um, you know, I, I do balance. I try to balance uh, ambition with happiness. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes in my life where I've been super ambitious, I've not been happy. And sometimes where I've been really happy, I've gotten apprehensive of saying, like, why don't you do more shit? So, I don't know. I feel like it's a a plate that you constantly need to be spinning. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, a lot of times I don't do a very good job about with it. Do you like to spin plates on your free time? All the time. (laughs) So I pose the question to you. What's what's happiness to you right now? I feel very happy when I'm around friends that can make me laugh very boisterously. It doesn't happen too often. But um, when it does, you know, it gives me that moment of, I guess, I don't know, happiness. The last time that I was happy was uh, when I went to see a 4D movie at the movie theater. And um, I'm like, you know... Have you been to one of those? No. They're Where'd you really go to like fun. Alamo Draft House? Uh, no, no, it was at uh, 14th Street. It's uh, you know the, the 
like the chairs move around yeah. and they spray like shit all over your face. It and then when fun. there's like a, you know, a fight scene like this thing pops out like behind the chair and just like kicks you in the back. Like what? Like what? Like a stapler? Or like something? a st- <laughs> <laughs> You know, some guy just goes in the back, just like usher, just that, smashing the back of the head. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. If you see a scene with a lot of rats, you can feel like things crawling Dude, all What around. was the movie you saw? Geomancer. Or uh, Geostorm. Oh, so they, yeah. t- so they threw like bucks of water on yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like fog. There's like fart smells. I mean, you know, it's like wow. odors. and What theater is it? Is this the 14. old, oh, the old 14th, United yeah. Artists or whatever it is now? Yeah. So me and my friend Nadir, we got kind of stoned and went to this, and we were just we were the only ones laughing like a fucking hour. We almost got escorted. <laughs> Do you recommend getting stoned and doing that? Oh, it was super intense, super intense. Yeah, it'll make you laugh a lot. And so the all the like the the fart smells and the water and <laughs> popcorn getting thrown in your yeah. face and the staplers in your back that yeah. that doesn't freak you out if you're high. I don't know. It made me really kind of happy. Actually, it made me feel like I was alive for once. Did the movie feel really long? The movie was shit, but the special effects were cool. I mean, with all the things that are being done to you, did it did it enhance the oh the four D experience? Yeah. Like, I I think so. Yeah, it made it fun. I, I mean, I'll recommend it. I mean, look, the, I'm being slightly you know frivolous. Obviously, you know, watching a four D movie. Can you watch? Not, can you watch? All, what can you happy? Can but. you watch any movie in four D? Can you watch Twelve Years a Slave in four D? <laughs> Every time you get whiffed, like, I don't want to imagine <laughs> yeah. what would happen. But, um, I mean, I, I think it's only designed for action movies. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do it for, like, Ingmar Bergman. You know? <laughs> no Fellini. Yeah, no no Fellini. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. You seem kind of happy, but you're saying that you're not really happy. So what can we do about that, Randall? How can we change that? I don't know if it's something to 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 fix and change like immediately. I think it's something. I have antidepressants I could give you, by the way. I have like lots of them. What are they? Uh, Selexa. Wow. Yeah. Are they are they considered an opioid? I'm not sure. Yeah. When's your birthday? I uh, passed. It's in the summer. Okay. When's yours? A May second. Huh. All right. That's a Taurus. Yeah. Yeah. Second huh. May. And you're Leo. Yes. August, this feels like a date. August fourth, third. <laughs> How the fuck did I know that? Wow, I no. think the fourth is Obama. I think Obama. I think he's the fourth. I see. Well, where were you born? Vietnam. Okay. Well, he was born in Kenya. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna. It's <laughs> gonna make a joke or whatever. <laughs> maybe you know time differences. Technically, guys, maybe you were also born on the fourth if you had been born in Kenya. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But it's we're, not we're the same. We're the exact yeah. same. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm fucking losing it, man. We better shut this off before right. I, I go down. Yeah, further. you got you got a double stuff already to get into. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? Um. Hey, man, keep rocking. Yeah, keep rocking too, too. And uh, you know, hopefully, the next time that we uh, we get to catch up. Look, know. listen. You hear that? Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's past four thirty. Oh, That's right. so, yeah, so he's over with. Yeah. He's done. Pedro, Pedro is <laughs> randomly hammering things to look busy. Yeah. <laughs> the Wookiee is not like wandering. He, he, the... he had to wait until the end of our podcast to to stop. You know, no, that was, that was nice of him. That's yeah. appropriate. He's gonna do his own. Really? He's yeah. He's probably gonna get set up and well, do it. Do his in the hall. Yeah. I'm brain dead. <laughs> Thanks, man. I Thank fun. you. This is a lot of fun. Oh, hey, man. Thanks hey, bro. Yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy the sparkling water? 
I'm still enjoying it. Good. Enjoy. In, in present tense. Yeah. And hey, the, the brownie hasn't kicked in yet. You said that might have been laced. Well, we still got a few more minutes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. As I always say, you're part of this conversation too. You're just on the quiet side. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Again, do me a favor and check out uh, the Murmur podcast. It's it's great stuff. M-U-R-M-U-R. I think the Umflauten will just find itself. Um, yeah, check them out. It's really good stuff. Bodhisattva, go out and do good in the world. I love you guys. Thanks.